Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm your host, Busy Gold, and Conscious Construction starts right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Modern Good. I'm here with an episode that's really focused on not just change and change metrics and how to navigate change, but also for all of you out there that are budding entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs, or hey, maybe you're just a lady boss CEO, Nicole is going to be showing you some helpful techniques and obviously debuting her e-course that's going to help you really change your PR game and go with the change in the PR tides instead of try to bump up against it. So let's welcome Nicole Maiden. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and so grateful to be here. So for those of you that don't know, Nicole actually was my publicist. Nicole is not only a fantastic publicist, but those of you that know me know how much I care about consciousness and practical spirituality and all the rest, and Nicole embodies all of those things. So the moment we met... I knew that she was going to be in my life for many years to come. And we spent a lot, the last year kind of all, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows. We called 2018 the fall start year, the like, oops, let's everyone reset. Let's try that again. So it was a rough year for me. Was it a rough year for you? It was a rough year. It actually kicked my ass in ways that I could never, ever have seen coming. But the beautiful like surrender that I've experienced from that year now and where I'm feeling you know, it has brought me to a place of just being in such pure alignment. And I think that we have so many moments in time in our lives where we get so many unexpected challenges and curveballs thrown at us, but you see the work you've done on your soul and, and your healing come through when those challenging moments come up and you realize that you're handling them in a whole new evolved way. You sure are. And I watched Nicole go through some of these processes you know, personally face-to-face and then some of them just on social, but just watching your life from afar over the last year, you can really see your energy shift. I know we had dinner last week and I mean, to me, you look younger, which, you know, I don't know how you do it. She already, she already looks (laughs) so young that it's insane, but you look younger, your energy is so much lighter and you were just beaming ear to ear talking about this new business that you had created. And immediately I knew that I wanted to share it with you guys, the modern good listeners You guys know that I have a background in PR. In fact, Nicole and I kind of danced in the same exact circles, and we might have met at some point before. We must have. We just We had way too many mutual (laughs) friends. We must have. Um, But we were both probably such workaholics that we just had our noses focused on work only, and we're not very social. (laughs) Pretty much describes like my really funny (laughs) suit But we both have very similar stories about you know, just like the internship nightmare in the PR world and basically getting treated like a slave. Pretty sure I had like some things thrown at me. I definitely had a book thrown at my head, you know, all those. The typical. And then, you know, (laughs) now there's like people that work these days that they're dealing with a bit of entitlement. And it almost makes me want to be like, back in my day, (laughs) I used to get glasses of champagne thrown at my head by my boss of my internship. You should... You should count your blessings. And then I realized I sound like an 80-year-old. I'm only 33, by the way. It's so true, though. I feel like our generation, 
Um, a lot of us had to do such different work back then and the industry was so different. I mean, I sit and tell people that, you know, I've been doing PR now almost 20 years. I'm going on two decades, but to see the evolution of the industry and just the media landscape change, it's just wild. And when we were working in it right out of, you know, college or 15, 20 years ago, I mean, what it looked like to be a PR person going to a job versus what it is now, you're talking about two totally different like vortexes, literally. Absolutely. And even just watching, you know, knowing obviously some people on the inside and watching kind of even like the degradation of not just their, I don't just mean their financial lifestyle, but just how the chaos that inevitably magazines were going through with the way their funding was working affect the PR industry? Because I mean, you know, for those of you that don't know, really, the PR industry and all the changes that we're going to be talking about today really actually were a result of magazines basically going to put like physical magazines because that was their bread and butter. Obviously, you've got TV shows and all the rest of it. But let's even think about that for a second more and more. Everything's like reality TV. And you know, now it's almost like casting. It's not like who's got the most relevant message. Totally. I mean, nepotism and casting agents. That's right. I mean, you could, you know, sit down as an executive at a PR firm and have a potential client come in 15, 20 years ago. And the first thing out of their mouth was, I want to get in XYZ magazine. Now, to your point, most of these magazines don't even exist. There's a handful that do because they do have like the big gun, so to speak, advertisers paying, you know, to keep them going. But at the same time, the most coveted outlets that people want to be on now typically aren't even magazines, right? They're online platforms or a certain podcast or a certain, you know, web show. It just the, the evolution of where things are going and what's become like more of a priority for a client has changed as the media landscape has changed. And now we're in a day and age where most of these social media tools allow you to actually do your own PR because you have access to all these free things that 15, 20 years ago people didn't have access to. So you can become your own brand in a way that, you know, even 10 years ago, you couldn't. I mean, even like five years ago, things are so different. It's well, and which is why, and I remember having these kind of little budding conversations with you about, you know, asking questions just from a perspective of somebody that used to be in PR asking questions like, what, what is everyone going to do? Like, are they preparing for this inevitable moment? And congratulations, it looks like you prepared for it. So <laughs> Thank you. Well, Bravo. I have tried, and I have tried to really, the last five years, um, you know, I, I went into a really low point in my life just about five years ago, coming up on February. Um, I really was forced to just take a step back personally and professionally, um, had everything kind of stripped away from me, including a marriage that only lasted six months, starting literally from scratch at 35 with zero in the bank account and having to come up from that and do so much looking in the mirror and so much soulful work to understand how did I get to this place when I had, so I thought, made all these good decisions up till that point in my life and how can I now take something that I also love with work, which is PR, something I feel that I'm good at, something that I am very passionate about, but also figure out what it's going to look like for me. Because 10 years from now, five years from now, people with my role, you know, at an agency, so to speak, or as a consultant, the need is going to be less and less, right? So how do you make those pivots? How do you kind of find yourself maneuvering with the times and riding that wave? And for me, what happened was going on this soulful journey and the spiritual journey, spending my whole life in LA and realizing environmentally, like LA wasn't resonating with my soul. 
I then picked myself up, you know, at 37 years old, moved to an entire new city here in Scottsdale, where is where we met, you mm-hmm. know, under total divine timing and everything else that's happening here in my life. But it was here where I saw that this work that I was doing for all these years, either on my own, having my own company in LA for eight years, or working at some of the best agencies in LA um, that, you know, were in the consumer space and, um, you know, kind of health and wellness world. There was a need for people to have more interaction one-on-one to get more of that personal attention. And so once I kind of got settled into life here, I realized I had an opportunity to find a way to continue to work with small businesses and modern-day entrepreneurs in a way where they were getting one-on-one attention and getting a little bit more granular guidance. I think PR firms are amazing for a handful of reasons. I've come from some of them. What I think a lot of brands find as a challenge, though, is that they get lost in the shuffle because if an agency is working on, you know, 20 clients at once and you come in and you're trying to launch something, you don't always know what team you're going to get to work on your account and you don't always know what the result's going to be. So working one-on-one with people, for me, felt like a solution-oriented kind of pivot to make. Through that, though, and working one-on-one with so many entrepreneurs, I was finding myself having conversations with people saying, hey... I can't necessarily afford an agency or I've got this great business and this awesome mission, but I don't know if I'm ready for PR. And it was like this light bulb went off and I thought, there are so many modern day entrepreneurs out there that need this information. And just because you're in a place where you can't afford an agency or you can't afford a consultant does not equal you're not worthy of press. So having conversations with people where they're totally clear on their why, understanding their solutions, understanding why they're doing what they're doing, and then me stepping back and figuring out a way to work with them where I could actually teach them the basic fundamentals that they could do on their own. And we started doing these workshops here in town called Purpose because my whole my purpose has become more clear with my work that there's this beautiful way to marry the PR work and all this soulful journey that Mm -hmm. I've been on and kind of tie the two together. Can we touch on that for one second? Because I do think that that is, it's something that I've always admired about you and even just the journey that I've seen you go on in Scottsdale. You do seem to be very specific about the brands and clients that you take on, right? You need to, because in a way, if you think about what a publicist is, right, they serve to be a voice amplification tool, right? 100%. So in order to desire to amplify someone's voice, you probably, I would imagine, would want to believe in what voice you're amplifying. So what are the parameters? So I guess first question, what are the parameters that you typically look for? Like what needs to happen for you to be drawn to want to work with them either in a workshop setting or beyond? And then also maybe sprinkle in some ideas for some of our budding entrepreneurs on what things they should even start honing in on about their own business. Awesome questions. Yeah. So basically in a nutshell, I am a purpose-driven entrepreneur the way I see it. My soul has gone on a journey to understand the bigger picture in all of this. PR can be very vanity-driven for people. And I think that when you peel back those layers and you really get to the root of why you're doing what you're doing, which is something that will light your soul up, which hopefully is to serve others, everything becomes more exciting. And the hair on my arm actually just went up saying that because for me, when I'm wanting to connect with potential clients... It's the people that I see that are lit up by their mission, that are really on their journey to help, to serve, to educate, to empower, to inspire, to wake people up, to have real conversations and really be authentic. There's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of competition in all these various businesses out there. And by the way, I very much believe there's room for everybody, but I'm most drawn to the 
authentic, the real, the people who are really rolling up their sleeves and making shit happen. And when you come across that as a PR person, the excitement to take somebody's brand or their products or their mission and help get that message to the media to be shared fuels my soul. So the alignment of that is super exciting for me. And what I'm finding with so many also small business owners and entrepreneurs I meet is they have that power about them and they have that wherewithal about them. They just need someone to help connect them to the right people. So what's happening really with these events I'm doing and now this course that I'm going to launch is I'm peeling back all the confusion about PR because I think so many people get caught up in the fear or the unknown of it when really it's actually something very simple. You just need to take your brand, your solution, and your message and connect to the media in a way where they're excited to share it. So, you know, how, how do people do that? I mean, there's so many different ways, but again, you're living in a day and time now where the beautiful thing for an entrepreneur, even if you have minimal budget to work with, you can connect with any journalist you want. We have access to people now in ways that five years ago we didn't, even three years ago. Oh yeah, you would get in so much trouble for even sharing an email list from some of the PR firms I worked right? with. If you even like CC'd by accident, you could risk losing your job because no one was willing to let their contacts go. There was a lot of secrecy No one there. was willing. And that is one of the biggest things that I laugh about in the PR world. The contacts have always been so coveted. So what I've basically done is, totally gone against the grain and basically said, I've just spent 20 years building a Rolodex. Now I want to share it with whoever I can, because if I left this world today or tomorrow, me taking my Rolodex with me and not using it to help <laughs> people your Rolodex is grain. not really, not really like that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel right. I do right? know some old school publicists, by the way, that I think genuinely would take their Rolodex to the grave. 5,000%. 5,000%. 5,000%. But hear me out when I say that, like, I can understand why people protect it because they want to secure their value with the work they do. And I appreciate that because I am very value driven and I totally honor and value the work I do and the time that has gone into building that Rolodex. But to not use it to help more people and serve, it, what's the point of me doing all this work for 20 years, right? So I created a system where I can walk through modern day entrepreneurs very, very streamlined and very seamlessly how to just get those basic steps going to do the outreach. Today, if you're on Instagram, you can basically have direct contact with any journalist you want. You just have to find them. You can totally Google, you know, email protocols. You can call TV stations to get emails for the producers that do the segments. There's so many ways to get to these people. The caveat is you've got to be able to communicate your solution or why you're a value to them. So if somebody's willing to, or in a place where they can book you to be an expert on a TV show, why would they book you versus the other 20 emails that they get? You know, it's more about finding the ways to stand out in the emails and get your solution to them so that they can see you as an expert. And as long as you're clear on your why and you've done the work on yourself to understand how you can be an expert and how you can help these media outlets, you just have to communicate it in an email to grab their attention. In your course, are you going to help people understand the the nuts and bolts of the different pieces that need to be written or pitched and some tips on how to actually organize those things? A hundred percent. So I tried to create this course in a way where if I was brand new to this and didn't understand a thing about PR, you know, how would I want to be, how would I want to have this explained to me? So 
we're going through everything around, you know, starting with mindset, why PR um, is often underestimated people and actually really valuable to your ba- your business or your brand and how it can change the tra- trajectory of your business if done well. Um, what it costs to take out an ad versus editorial, you know, for instance, I'll tell you like, I don't know if many people know this, but if you want to go take out a colored one page ad right now in the likes of like an Oprah magazine or a Forbes or an Inc., you're talking about almost $150,000 $150, to place an ad. Yeah. It's so insanity. why would you want to take out an ad where you just have basic verbiage about your product or your brand on a page when you can earn third party credibility, earned media through a pitch and have your entire story told. Like the value juxtaposition of that to me is everything. And so when people do knock PR, I understand where frustrations come, but at the same time, there's so much value in that third-party credibility and editorial and just being able to outreach properly, which we go through in the course and just explaining how do I even construct an email? You know, how do I even get this journalist's attention when they're getting 400 emails a day? I think a big one would also be, which I'm sure you touch on, but... And this is something that even, you know, early on in the stages of Booty, when we didn't have a PR firm, I was able to work with some of our other staff to be like, do it this way, don't do it this way. Like an email subject line. But if you really look at it, I mean, that is, you got to get them there. Otherwise, you're not going to get them. If you put in some shitty subject line that looks spammy, then you already, it doesn't matter what you put in the email. That's right. And you have to find a way, you know, one thing that I, I talk about in this course that I think is so important is do your homework, like put your ego aside and really get clear on like, if you're going to reach out to a journalist, you better be reading other content that they write about to understand their tone, understand their audience, understand their subject that they hone in on. Don't just go at it blindly, really figure out why am I reaching out to this particular person? Does this person cover what I'm an expert in? Does this person cover my industry or should I be pitching someone else? Find out, you know, follow them online. See if there's things that they like, like grab their attention in an email and connect with them about something that maybe they share that they love. Like, see if you have mutual friends. See if you have mutual, mutual friends. There you go. I mean, So that you can lie and be like, oh, so-and-so told me to email you. That's right. Just, just kidding. And, but no, but they, no, but they do. <laughs> but they do love that. Because, okay, I've done it before. Yeah. You, you got to just find ways to really like, you know remove that remove that layer of fear and just do the work like if someone was reaching out to you blindly you don't want to get like like busy was saying it's like you don't want you don't want some busy or you don't want some you don't want some email spam right you want someone reaching out to you who's shown that they they understand who you are and your voice and why you're relevant to the conversation and I think another key piece of this because I get this a lot when people will get up the courage to email me something and then when I respond back inevitably in like, you know, two minutes, because I unfortunately am on my phone often, um, usually the response is, oh my God, I can't believe you got back to me that quickly. And you're so nice. Like, well, why are you assuming that everyone's a dick? You know, this is, this brings up, I think a really important point here. If you go into some of this outreach, just assuming that these people are going to inevitably be at odds with you, it's going to influence the energy even of your writing. Totally. And that goes back to the mindset, right? Like if we're going into this already thinking abundance, worthiness, like I deserve to have my hat in the ring, just like all those other experts, like, of course, you know, it, it plays into all of this. Like if you've already defeated yourself before you write the email, don't even send it. Yeah. Like don't For even sure. send it. Because right? even if it's like, even if the words are right, the energy that you just put into the keyboard with your fingers 
it might maybe like a you know scratch it start over again and speaking of which has anyone I'm sure some of you listening have had this experience have you ever like pulled an all-nighter in high school back I mean I don't even I wonder if kids even really have to do this anymore but like I feel like I had so much homework in high school way more so than ever in college like even middle school for sure by the time I was in college and people were handing me their papers to edit I was like are you in third actual grade like what school did you go to (laughs) anyways I digress in high school Sometimes you're up pulling all-nighters, writing papers, you know, and, like, back then when, like, a computer could just shut off, there wasn't an auto-save. Like, I'm sure some of the listeners here have lost their paper. I mean, right? so, so many times. Right? Before Google Drive existed and just auto-saved, like, I've lost many papers. Sometimes when you're, like, six, seven pages in, and I feel like it's always that moment where you need to be clear on the fact that sometimes whatever energy you just put into something, if, you know, the universe has your back, and you're paying attention, sometimes those are just little signs. You know what? Shake it off. Reset. You have to believe that there's something better just behind that one. And often, like, I I mean, I know I've had this situation where when I've gone to rewrite the paper, even though I thought I did a great job, I probably just upgraded myself from, like, a B-plus to at least an A, you know? Minimum. I love it. Minimum. And I think, too, like, you know, and for any small business owners or entrepreneurs out there listening to this, I think that one thing right now that I'm trying to hone in on as I'm making these pivots, too, with just my creativity, my purpose and all this, the work that I do, um, and I think you brought this up earlier, but, like, figuring out ways to just teach what you know, right? Like, you're, I feel like, the queen of that. I mean, I've never actually met someone in my entire career that does how much, like you do so much and you are so clean and intent on why you're doing it. And it's like, you're constantly moving, you're constantly pivoting and finding new ways to expand and evolve. And it's remarkable. I think that so many entrepreneurs get so afraid to take these steps. And let me tell you something. I mean, I am doing all of this, like, you know, I mean, if we want to get like really, really vulnerable. I'm doing this all as a, you know, single woman. I'm 39 years old. I'm turning 40 this year. I'm on my second go round as an entrepreneur. I couldn't be in a more aligned place and happier with myself and where things are going, but I have taken the time to do the work and get super clear on understanding that who do I think I am to be like, you know, this consultant that just does PR, like this, this media landscape is moving so fast. And if you are not trying to find other ways to serve people and serve your audience and teach people what you know that you're really good at, you might as well just go home now. Like things are moving so fast that I think that the typical need for a consultant and um, a lot of the ways that we were used to working years ago or even more recently are going to start falling to the wayside. So if you want to be an expert and you want to get PR coverage and you want to end up on TV or you want to be quoted in magazines, find a way to really hone in on what you do well and teach it, share it, share it, share it. And if you're not doing free Facebook lives or free Instagram lives, or if you're not blogging or you're not finding ways to share what you do and help people through all of these free platforms, the PR people, like the the media people aren't even going to care. They're going to want to see that you're 
you're an expert, that you're talking about what you know. And by the way, you don't have to have 10,000 followers. I've been doing this for 20 years. I am for sure not the best PR person in the industry by any means, and I don't claim to be. I also don't claim she's to really be. She's really good, though. She's really she's really underselling herself right now. Well, but I love you. But I also I've don't had many publicists, and you're she's the real deal. Thank you. Well, so grateful for that. But I want you guys to hear that you don't have to have you know 400,000 followers to be a quote unquote expert. You don't have to have you know, you got to just get out there. And I think that one thing that I've learned, especially the last few years for me is just make the leap and just try stuff. If it doesn't work, it's okay. But just, which goes back again to mindset, right? Which, you know, it's something that even when Nicole and I have dinner, usually a lot of what we talk about has more to do with consciousness and spirituality. But even with that, if something isn't working, it's up to you to not let your brain immediately define that as a failure. You have you have many other options. Really, it is essentially a speed bump. You're temporary, temporarily slowed down, only needing to refocus your efforts on finding a workaround, boost up some more energy to try a slight pivot. But so many of us, if we're walking around our lives operating with the source belief that we're not enough or no matter what we do, everything always goes wrong or that everything's chaos, it's going to be really challenging for us to move forward from that place. So so true. And I think, you know, and your life is a testament. I mean, both of our yeah. lives are a testament to being like, okay, that was a painful speed bump. And yet I'm not going to define that as a failure. Absolutely. And you know, you start to learn to really embrace pain, you guys. I mean, I think it's like, you know, I think we have, you've got two women sitting here right now having a conversation who have been on very different lives, but have also shared, I think, a lot of similar type of experiences that have obviously made us who we are today, but no victim mentality here. Like this is, this is a conversation with two women right now who have been like, yeah, I have to honor that this is happening, but I'm going to keep going. And, you know, it's not easy to do that. It's not. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's not, I I think what, what happened for me last year too, and what I think is important also as an entrepreneur to understand, um, you know, you can be moving through your life and your work. And I was moving through all these wonderful things that I was manifesting and creating for myself with work. And then I got a phone call out of the blue one day in March from my mother um, and found out that my father had died that morning. And uh, you can never prepare yourself for a phone call like that. It's probably one of the most gut-wrenching, painful things that I will ever experience in life. But it's a reality. And it's not like you get this note from God one day that's like, hey, at 2.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday, March 7th, I'm going to have your mother call you and be prepared that you're going to get this call that your father's dead. Like, Ground your energy. To yeah, you, you, you can't even process the pain that goes along with that kind of phone call and digesting that kind of information. And the reason I'm sharing that with you guys is because you, you have to know that when you are faced with watching somebody who brought you into this world, when you're watching them literally be lowered into the ground and you're watching this person's physical, physical life on this earth, as we know it, you know, cease. I very much feel my father around me every day, all the time. And I'm very spiritual and I believe, you know, in, in what that entails. But the reason I'm sharing this is because you immediately go into a place, at least I did of working backwards. Life is as short as we want to believe it is, or as long as we want it to believe it is. But at the end of the day, we are all going to leave our physical bodies whenever the universe and God decide that it's time. So as a business owner, to be able to remove that fear of the unknown for yourself and make those pivots fearlessly, because 
who cares if something doesn't work out? It's like, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? Because the biggest thing that people dying look back, right? When someone's on their deathbed, like, what is the biggest thing that goes through their mind? It's regret. All regrets, yeah. Right? So why regret, like, oh, I didn't send that email to that person, or I didn't actually turn myself into a brand, or I actually didn't fulfill my life's purpose with work? I have a good example of that, and I still, I'll own up to it right now, because I love her, and I've never really, like, had a celebrity person where I'm like, I really like this one, and I really like Kay Hudson, and I saw one day that she signed up for online streaming, and I was like, I just need to reach out to her. Like, I train all these other celebrities, like, just reach out to her. Guess who didn't reach out to her? I didn't. I love you, Kate. <laughs> that's shocking. I know. I I, like that's, like, the only that. one I, babe, like, I was just such a baby about it. I was like, she's I don't know. Amazing. I can't reach out. But, yeah, it's just because she's amazing. Yeah. But I would say, too, like, you, I feel like, have done an amazing job, even though I didn't know you, you know, 10 years ago. But when you started, and I think that there were a lot of organic PR opportunities that I know came your way. And I think you did a really amazing job of leveraging them because that's another big thing with PR is you can, you can end up on 20 TV shows or you can end up in all these magazines, but if you're not leveraging it and actually PR in your own PR and trying to maneuver and build that into your business in a cohesive way to help you get to the next point, what's the point of doing it, right? So you bring up a great point and there are a few little things that I want to make sure we hit so that our listeners have some tangible takeaways by the end of the episode. So I love what you said about PR and your PR. And from at least where I sit and how I run my companies, I mean, obviously, first step of that is making sure that you're really actively organizing and capturing all of your past media exposure and making sure that you have a great media kit, making sure that those things are always accurately represented on your website. And, you know, one of the things, if you're trying to pitch yourself as an expert and you don't have the appropriate documents that that person, if they're all interested in you, will inevitably hit reply and be like, send me your one pager and your press kit and you're like, (laughs) my what? Then you're not ready to be an expert yet. You need to get to work on those little fundamental things. Um, Do you have any tips on what aspects of that they should be focused on? I'm sure you cover all this in your course, which is going to be great, but just kind of little, little tidbits on how to PR your PR. Yeah, this is actually in section five. It's like the closing section of the course, because it is also one of the most important, like to your point, if you're out there getting press coverage and it's not on your website, like it's the first thing I say to clients when I sit down with them, I say, you know, you're going to start getting press. And if you don't have someone to get this up on your site immediately and show traction and show momentum, like we might as well just go get the popcorn and go to the movies right <laughs> it's now. It's like it never happened. It's like it never happened. So, and another thing is you want to share your press in real time, you guys. So if you end up in a magazine or you end up on a TV show, like show it to your audience in real time. Don't send it out in an email a month after the fact when it's like not even relevant anymore. Um, but to your point, yes, definitely tangible things are get your press up in a press section on your website, show journalists, show brand partners, show people that you're trying to work with and partner with that you have things going on. You are an expert in your space and there is third party credibility to kind of back that up. You can easily put logos on your website. You can easily link blog articles and all those things. So just absolutely do that. Share your stuff, share your PR stuff on, on online, on Instagram. You can share it in your stories. You can share it on your wall. You can share it through Facebook lives. That is just immediately goes without saying 
Building a media kit, though, I would say in simplest terms, just start with even creating like a PDF, like create a rolling kind of almost PDF scrolling slideshow of like you you do it in PowerPoint. Just get Mm, something where you can literally sit for a couple of hours, get a photo of yourself, a little bio and start just adding in the logos or the actual press placements or video clips and just create an ongoing PDF. That is so easy for everyone to do. It doesn't take that much time. And to your point, if a journalist asks for it right away, that is something that you can literally share through a Dropbox link or just an attachment if the file's not too large and that costs you nothing. Absolutely. And also little, little cheat sheet here. Number one, there is a place called Creative Market which has all kinds of press kit, media kit templates, one-pager templates that have amazing designs on them. So, you know, kind of my dream – so a lot of you don't don't know this, but I actually in the first maybe, I don't know, eight years of Booty and Golden Ratio, I did all of our graphic design, and I do our did. websites and graphic design and <laughs> all that. And I also did brand consulting for a long time. Honestly, even just as like – whatever, we're going to laugh right now, but like, I'm putting in air quotes, a passion project. Like even a few years ago where I was like, my nice, you know, calm and creative time is helping other people build their brand. So deep down, I'm like, I'm dying to look at Nicole's course to see how we can build the thing after that. That's like, okay, and now we're going to brand in a box. Boom. There you yes. go. Yes. Off to the stars. And I welcome the feedback. So when it comes to, you know, getting the creative for some of that stuff done, you can also use Google, if you use Google Docs, Google Presentations actually has a lot of great functionality. It's totally free if you have Google. And I've also found that even more so than PowerPoint, some of the like just innate design capability in Google, I actually end up using Google Presentations for all I my big like so many speeches. Yeah. They've done a really great job with it. And even just the fonts that they have natively in the program, it's got a pretty good selection. But again, you can, you know, don't be afraid to take it upon yourself as a budding entrepreneur to learn how to do all these things. If you're afraid of Photoshop, go sign up for a Photoshop course. Like you are going to be a much more successful entrepreneur if you know how to do every aspect of your business yourself, from the graphic design to the PR to the writing about your brand. You can't just sit back and be like, oh, well, I don't really like doing that. Like good luck being an entrepreneur then. That's like the antithesis of being an entrepreneur. That's right. And I think that one thing also that's important to just understand with what I'm doing and what I'm offering is that um, the intent was to help the people that really need a little bit more handholding, right? Like there are large PR agencies for a reason because huge, massive global brands and like, I'll just say like, you know, the Nikes of the world and like no, they're not going to sit and do their own PR. Like, yes, they're going to get a lot of organic PR, but like there are agencies that exist to work with brands for a reason. But I think what's happening with the media landscape changing so, so swiftly and in such a smart way, um, I think a lot of people are just seeing that there's more opportunities to be a contributor and there's more opportunities for the journalist to interact now more one-on-one with the business owners. And in fact, a lot of conversations I have with journalists now, they're saying that they prefer to go right to the business owner Mm -hmm. and almost, you know, leap over the the PR person, Um, whether people see that good or bad. It's just, you know, what's coming up in conversation. So I think that a lot of journalists... As someone that's been on the other side of that, having worked with PR agencies and now just getting that direct, it's just, it's so much easier. It's so much more streamlined. And... I feel like although there's a 
there's a format, let's say, that's been preferred yes. in those communications for a long time. Inevitably, when an industry changes, some of those things are going to have to transition as well. And even just the natural conversations that exist, instead of it being so structured, pitch-oriented, I think it, it brings some humanity back to the exchange. A hundred percent. I was just um, having a conversation with someone here locally the other day, and she's like, I love when like the business owners, she's a reporter at a very prominent newspaper here in town, and she said, I love when the, when the business owners reach out to me directly. So feel empowered to do this outreach. Like You don't need a PR person to get press wouldn't have been the case 10 years ago, but for sure the case now. And I feel like people have this mental image of a PR person. And I just want to like really just drop the veil on this one. People, I think, have this vision of uh, like editors and things being like um, Miranda Priestly from the Devil so Wears Prada. When in reality, I'll tell you firsthand, when you go to meetings with all these editors, you get there and you're like, oh, you're like 20. Because <laughs> that's really all the magazines can afford right now. And I know that sounds right. a bit harsh, but you literally will go into these meetings and you're like, oh my God, I spent all this time being like moderately nervous about basically just chatting with somebody that's really sweet, that's fresh out of college. That's for the most part, the media landscape currently. It's so true. Like back in the day when I was starting out, you know, you would sit with a journalist and they would be like dressed up in a suit and older and it was like so, right? So different. Everything has changed. And, you know, again, whether people see it as a good thing or a bad thing, the bottom line is you've got to get involved in the conversations happening in your industry and you have the opportunity to do it if you hone in on what you can really add value with by what you're doing and share that with the journalists in a meaningful way where they can emotionally connect to you and then want to share that with their audience. So let's say that someone right now is, they have an, an either an idea where they already have a business, but they're ready to start taking it a little bit further, taking some next steps. What are some key pieces that you think right now need to be the priorities for them just in terms of their brand message or their why? What are the things that they should start formulating on even just to get prepped for your course? So one of the slides actually at the beginning of the course is this, kind of what I call like a toolbox, right? So if you are sitting down and going, okay, like am I ready to start pitching? What do I need to actually go out with a pitch? I would say there's a couple of key things. First of all, and this is something that I'm doing for myself because I've got to walk the talk, right? But um, you need to have a place where people can find you. So you need to have a website. I, I resisted it for so long, and now I'm just like laughing at all the time that I resisted it because who knows where things would have gone if I actually had a place where people could find me. But having a website or even a landing page is crucial. If you're wanting to direct a media personality or a journalist to your brand or your business, and you don't have a presence online for them to go back to and tag to their audience for a point of purchase, you know, where do we go from there? So first and foremost, you need a place where people can find what you're selling or your service. So get a landing page up if you can't afford a full website, very easy to do, great place to start. Um, You definitely need to have High-res professional imagery. Photos are key. Immediately, if a journalist wants to cover you, I can almost promise you one of the first two things they're going to ask you for are professional, well-done lifestyle or product images. So that should entail a beautiful lifestyle image of the founder of the company. It should entail, if you are a product-based company, beautiful lifestyle images of the product that you're selling. And if you're in a service, 
Um, again, you know, having something of a founder or even some sort of action shot of the service or what you're providing. Images are key. They tell a story. If you do not invest money in professional photography, again, like, you know, it's just got to be one of the first foundations to, to even pitching. If a journalist is going to write about you or what you're selling and you don't have images to give them, you could lose the opportunity to be featured right off the bat. And potentially risk giving yourself a bad reputation. That's the other thing I've found in this industry is that, you know, again, you also have to factor in that because a lot of these editors are at times fresh out of college, they can also be chatty. Let's be honest. So, you know, if you're trying to make it big, some of these editors all know each other and they're like, oh, I like she emailed me a while back and like she didn't, she didn't have her shit together. Like, you, not point. that you get one chance, don't blow it, but also pretend that that's the case and just make yourself rise to that occasion. It's so true. So your goal as the entrepreneur, if you're reaching out to a journalist, is to make their life easier. And how do you make their life easier and try to make that let's call it a transaction of the yes, I want to feature you just like in sales you're going to get a likely yes if you're giving them everything all in one email as opposed to sending them piecemeal. So before you even do outreach, before you've even researched what you're going to pitch them or come up with a pitch, you need to have these tools. And spending money on photos as a business owner is so important and such a crucial investment. I I mean, it's a game changer. Um, Our company has a couple of photographers on basically subscription Because you're going, you know, even with Instagram and things like that, you're going to need consistent photos. Unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. And it definitely helps to have a cohesive brand vision and theme for these pictures so that they're not random. And don't, you know, in your head just think that, you know, the only option is to do some super cheesy headshot. Get creative with it. Because you also want to make sure that your pictures stand out too, not just your words. It's so true. And I think that that's one investment people aren't willing to make. Like video and photography is key right now. It could be the difference of a journalist saying yes to you. Like if they're choosing between two people or two products and your imagery is better than the others. I mean, let's just call what, you know, who's going to get it. And also it's important to think of imagery also, especially as it pertains to magazines, because as you said earlier, magazine staffs are so much more smaller than they are. Advertising budgets are lower. Staffing has been cut. So the magazines that do exist back in the day, they might've had the budgets for these big kind of grand, you know, photo shoots to do product styling and all these things. A lot of them don't now. They might, some of them might, but more often than not, they're going to say to you, the business owner, send me high-res JPEG images of your product where they're going to ask for your product to be shot up against like a white, beautiful background or plain background so that the product is the focal point. And if you don't have images that can lay into their magazine spread or to their editorial, you know, there you go. You're going to lose the opportunity. So invest, invest, find a great photographer that is aligned with you, like personally, professionally, and just have a great photo jam session and get some great content that you can use in your media kit and you have at your disposal to always send to journalists. Um, That is crucial. The other thing is, I would say, do some research and get some data. Statistics are so important when pitching. Like if you can talk to your audience and get you know, whatever industry you're in, whatever service you're providing, whatever product you're selling, get data, have some t- statistics to share with journalists, like things that you've discovered and, and that are going to also leverage and hone in on how your solution and what you're providing is helping solve that problem. 
Um, statistics are great. I think there's a lot of small business owners that just go out there with things on launch, and I have so much respect for that. But, you know, for me, for instance, like I've done months of research before even launching this course with people that I've done live events with and finding out what people are looking for so that I could build something. And by the way, this is the first of many courses I'm going to launch. So once I now launch this and I can get more feedback and data and, and information from people that experience this, the next one will be that much better, right? We're constantly fine tuning. So get some data, get some statistics. Also, hire a copywriter or you know, get in, get aligned with someone who can help you actually hone in on brand messaging. If your brand messaging, if you don't have brand messaging, you don't have a bio, and you don't even have your mission or why defined, you cannot reach out to a journalist. Like I would say, just don't don't even go there. I mean, all these things need to be so clearly defined before you even start that outreach. Um, which is something we talk about obviously in the course. This is the first phase, and and there's no timeline on on when this needs to happen, but you do not want to reach out to anyone in the media before you have some of these basic things honed in on because you're just going to look like an amateur. And, you know, like you said, it's like you want to be that expert for them. You want to become that reliable person that they can trust, that they know they can come to as a source. So to not take the opportunity to get them everything they need at once would just be a disservice to you. How would you help somebody decide whether their writing skills meet the mark or they need copywriting? That's a good question. And I'm a little sensitive to this because I think that one of the things I've had to also soulfully like let go of with my own ego is knowing that like there's some really good writers out there, there's some great writers, and then there's just bad writers. And like I I've been sure through are, I've been through all all the phases myself. I, I like to think that I'm a very expressive writer, but the thing is is that when you're talking to a journalist or you're pitching, it's a specific kind of writing. You actually have to be really to the point, really concise, and just like not send a novel, right? Because it's not gonna get read. So my advice would be to feel free, like you said earlier, invest, raise your hand, put your ego aside, take some writing courses. You know, you can take writing courses, you can align with a copywriter, you can hire someone to do these things for you. You don't have to go at it alone. And you know what? There are a lot of journalists these days also who are doing copywriting and brand content for a lot of companies. So what a great way to build a rapport with a journalist too. Maybe ask them if you can hire them to do some writing for you. That's amazing. (laughs) I would have never thought of that. Um, One other little hack that I used to give some of my clients and, you know, it's definitely, it's a hack. It's like a cheat code. So just go with me on this journey. Um, Find some other brands that you really like and do your research to find out, you know, what different segments you need to create. And I would look at a bunch of the different segments and look at their sentence structure and start by almost turn reverse engineering it into a Mad Lib. What is, what is the intent of the first sentence? What is the intent of the second sentence? What are the transitional sentences and what is the intent of those? So that you can actually start to reverse engineer your messaging and your story. Um, That is a hack because likely those people did hire a copywriter and there is a very specific method and sequence to this, but you can, if you don't have the resources, go back, reverse engineer it and you know, then of course, spell check if you're not a fantastic writer is definitely going to be key. You cannot, and I repeat, you cannot have spelling <laughs> errors when you send it to a magazine editor. That's right. It will it's, actually it, get deleted immediately. Yeah, it'll be it'll be instantaneous because often you've got 
these editors either having been like English or communications majors that are probably pissed off that they should be making more money and they're just going to be mad about your grammar. They're going to be like, oh, spelling error, <laughs> delete immediately. So don't don't mess that one up. It's so true. And that actually goes along the lines of, you know, respect this process, you guys. You know, I think that um, I like to think that every area of your business commands respect, right? Like I'm not a numbers girl. I have a lot of respect for the accountant and the bookkeeper that I've hired to help me understand that piece of my business. I have mad respect for them. I have mad respect for my attorney who speaks a language that is not enjoyable for me, but something that I had to take time to understand so that I I can understand the contracts and I understand the agreements and I understand the trademarks and copyrights and all these things that go into this that no one tells you, by the way, when you're starting entrepreneurship. Like I got into entrepreneurship because I love PR and I love this piece of my business, but I don't know all the other assets, or at least I didn't. So I had to learn them. PR is no different, but I think that the respect is really important because if you respect the process and you see how it's working, you're going to have more fun with it, which is the goal. This is not meant to be daunting, you guys. Like This is meant to be fun. It's meant to get your brand out there to new audiences, increase sales, build more loyalty, build more ambassadorship, Like have you be positioned as you know a tried and true expert in your industry, a thought leader, all those things. So PR should definitely have, you got to respect the journalists, you got to respect their time. And the goal of all of this is to build relationships with these journalists so that they keep coming back to you. That's what this is about. And that's the truth too, because if you can be a consistent voice of reason for topics that they hit, they'll come to you all the time because it makes their job easier. If they know that they can always get the right response for you, that doesn't require a bunch of editing and back and forth, it's signed, sealed, delivered. I have that now with several clients I've worked with, especially in the last few years from, you know, a lot of freelancers, like people often very underestimate freelancers. Freelancers are key in this world. Like I I would implore you to hone in on building relationships with freelance writers, freelance writers, you know, you could align with someone who's a freelance writer and build a great rapport and relationship with them. And they could write for 10 different magazines. So as opposed to just going to one person where you have the opportunity to maybe get on one online outlet or one magazine, you align with a freelance writer. And before you know it, you know, he or her is featuring you in, you know, 10 different outlets. So the relationship building, like anything in your business is key respect it, honor it, get to know these journalists, see how you can help them, build trust, build loyalty, and they will keep coming back to you. Um, The other thing is, just thinking about hacks real quick, I was going to share. I want people to also understand very much that while these things are very tangible and doable, and if you apply basic fundamentals, maybe not every time you outreach, but you will get yourself pressed. Like there's just, there's no reason you wouldn't if you keep going at it like anything else, right? The consistency is key. So I would say be consistent with outreach, but also know as one of the biggest PR hacks ever that I love explaining with people, and I know you're going to laugh at this, but just because you're getting PR does not mean that overnight your sales are going to increase by being a particular I was literally just in my head thinking about that. I'm so glad you said it. Yeah, it's just, it's one of the biggest PR hacks of all time. Like people align with like agencies or consultants or they start doing their own outreach and they're like, hey, I was on XYZ outlet. This is such a reputable outlet. Like for sure I'm going to sell out of this product tonight because so-and-so covered me. Not the case, you guys. PR works with you if you're moving along with it. Like we said earlier, PR and your your own PR, the momentum, the brand awareness, you getting out there talking about your products, 
all of the momentum of all these things together, it becomes like this rolling thunder ripple effect. So you can't just rely on PR to increase your sales. Is it a platform to help? For sure. And should you put the time into doing it so that it can be part of the marketing equation? For sure. But just don't go into it thinking that just because one magazine covers you that you're going to sell out of your product and like can go retire. Not really the case. Yeah, unfortunately, it used to be like that a long it used time to ago. Be. But also, you've got to look at it in terms of market saturation. Like now, things have switched to online. You basically have like now a featured article once a day, or even like multiple times a day instead of once a month in a magazine that actually sits on someone's, you know, coffee table, and then at the dentist, the dentist, you know, that's right. you know, and then at the tanning salon, and then you know, God forbid, you have some like super old doctor where you're at looking at magazines from 2014. That literally like just happened to me. Um, in which <laughs> case, you know, I hope my all of my early PR is still on some doctor's office table somewhere, so people can be like, oh, busy, and then they find me and they're like, oh, you don't look like that anymore. You look way, <laughs> way better, girl, way better. But I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I think, you know, one of the things I talk about just in terms of mindset with the, with the course is, um, you've got to just respect the process and have patience. Like this is not meant to be something where you're going to sit and reach out to 10 outlets in one day and, you know, all of them are going to get back to you that, that same day. And then the next day you're going to get featured. It's a process for a reason. There's experts that do this for a reason. So you got to be willing to play the game a little bit and play with the process. At the same time, you can do a lot of this on your own. And, and my, my intent with all of this now is to be in a place where just I'm helping to hopefully empower entrepreneurs who are feeling a little lonely in this process or a little bit stuck to say, like, here are some basic things you could do. Just go for it. Give yourself some practice. Like, start small. You don't have to reach out to Forbes or Inc., by the way, right away. I'm not saying that at all. Like, start with just the local media in your market. Become the expert locally in what you do. Start building a media kit. Do it small. Get those little wins under your belt so that when you do go to the larger outlets, you're now showing them that you've been featured before. And everybody has local newspapers, local TV stations, and local magazines in their markets. You don't have to go necessarily to the big guns right away in LA or New York. Like, Start small. Just become become the go-to locally and then let it kind of build from there. So how can our listeners sign up for your upcoming workshops and, of course, your online course? So everything launches Monday, January 28th. Um, You can go on to the PRConcierge.com, which is my business, and you can get direct access to buy the e-course from the website. Um, Also launching next week is the Purpose Podcast, which you're going to have to come on when I get launched. And the intent of that is to also reach more people with this conversation that we're having today. Kind of the ins and outs of PR. I'm going to be interviewing journalists every week. Also, um, in addition to entrepreneurs and just having conversations about best ways to pitch them, how uh, entrepreneurs experience PR to help them in their business, or maybe it hasn't been so helpful, whatever the conversation, but I want to have it because I think this is a really important piece of people's businesses that I want people to have better understanding of, and I don't want it to feel so gray. I think it can be very simple and black and white if we kind of just get rid of all the noise and just get down to the tactics and like do the work. So everything on PRConcierge.com starting next the week. The PRConcierge. Yes. The T-H-E-P-R-C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E. And you guys can also find me on Instagram at Nicole Maiden, 
at theprconcierge.com. And for anybody local here in Scottsdale, my next in-person workshop is Saturday, February 23rd, where we're going to have several freelance writers from the market there to talk about the power of a freelance writer and how best to pitch them so that you can get coverage locally here. And how would they sign up for the, that workshop? That workshop also um, is going to, um, you can sign up right through my website um, starting next week as well. So. And I'll make sure we linked everything on The Modern Good as well so that they can get access to it. Thank you so much for coming on. I think You're our best. listeners, I'm sure, have their wheels spinning and they're probably pretty darn excited to get to work. And I guess the most important thing that I want to leave listeners with is even though, you know, we obviously just covered a lot of ground in, you know, an hour and some change, going through these different processes that Nicole's going to walk you through in this course, it's a great opportunity for you to learn about your business. Sometimes we get excited and, you know, we, we want either the, the external validation or we want the money or we, we're passionate about what we have to bring to the market, but we don't really understand the business and how it works holistically yet. So this essentially, even though you're thinking about bringing it to somebody else, again, going back to the reverse engineering concept, in having to dial down all of these specifics, you really actually learn so much more about your business. So this is an important learning tool for you regardless of whether you're reaching out to press yet or not. So I couldn't possibly encourage you more to go through this course. It's something that is absolutely necessary. And coming from my background in PR, I was just like waiting for somebody to do it. And Nicole's absolutely the right person to do it. Highly recommend it. Thank you. And um, for those of you that want to follow her on Instagram, it's at Nicole Myden and it's M-Y-D-E-N in case any of you were not going with the Y. Just let them throw it out there. That's right. Thank you so much Thank for coming. Thank you for having me. And you guys just have fun with the process. And I look forward to connecting with you guys online. All right. I'll see you all next time. Bye. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of The Modern Good. To find out more about Break Method, head to breakmethod.com. And to check out my workshops and public speaking schedule, busygold.com. I'll see you next week.